Welcome to Excel Radio with Dr. Nick Zarowski, where we talk with world-class entrepreneurs, executives, and health experts who have unlocked the secrets to Excel Health and performance. Hi, and welcome to Excel Radio. This is your host and high-performance expert, Dr. Nick Zarowski. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Alon Ozeri. He is the owner of Ozeri Bakery, and we're going to dig into some topics such as entrepreneurship, eating good quality foods, and just talk about how he started his business from nothing, and then how he actually got into the health food business and how he's really just skyrocketed his success by doing what he feels is right and following his passion. Welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy. Hey, thank you for being with us in the show, Alon. Hi, Dr. Nick. How are you? Thank Do, you. Doing well, doing well. Thank you. So the first question I want to ask you is really, it sounds like you have an incredible entrepreneurial story. When you started your business, you started out with actually negative in the bank. Can you uh, share our, your your story and your success with our listeners? I would love to, yes. Uh, well, I uh, wrote my business plan while I went to Ryerson, a university in Toronto, and have, being of a background of, of half Israeli and half English living in Canada, um, I had an idea of making pita breads and westernizing them and making sandwiches out of them and selling healthy, fresh sandwiches to people. So originally, I thought that the business would be a sandwich shop, um, and then within time, that became into a commercial bakery. So I was at Ryerson, and uh, we had a business writing course uh, which was very one of the easiest and one of the toughest classes I had where we had to write a business plan for an idea that we had. And um, there were no classes. You came to the first class and came to the last class, and if you needed help, you'd meet the professor at his office. And I, I put in everything I had into that, and, and uh, this was probably the only A I got at, uh, in university, and put down a business plan for a sandwich shop, a healthy one. And I won 300 bucks uh, for getting to number one in that class with my business plan. Um, mind you, so the, the negative was from uh, student loans, which uh, were amounted, amounted to about $25,000 at the time, which were quite a bit of money for me. Okay, gotcha. And uh, then uh, I asked my father, um, I wanted to open the business, and he, he, he was in insurance. And again, not a lot of means. All my parents had were... $50,000 in the bank and uh, our father was 61 years old and he was willing to go ahead with me, put his $50,000 in and with that uh, the weight of the world on me because that was part, a big chunk of his retirement and um, we, we went ahead and, and did it, got a loan for $100,000 and started a sandwich shop, not really have done it in the past. Okay. And so, and, and so what, you started a sandwich shop and you, you had $50,000 to do it. And so um, with, you had a small sandwich shop, but now you have a large commercial bakery, right? Um, today, about 85,000 square feet uh, of a bakery, over 200 people working with us, yes. Okay, so let me ask you then. So you started with the small sandwich shop. How did it turn into this large of a, of, of a company, um, this huge bakery? Um, so our, originally we started making the pitas manually and everything we did was uh, based on uh, 
basically family traditions of making pita bread, so it was handmade. And about two years after we opened, it was what's next because just continuing doing the same uh, was boring and um, that's, uh, sometimes to our uh, benefit, sometimes to our detriment. Uh, we said what's next and one of, the re one of the options was to open other stores, another was to sell our pitas to people or open a catering company. Thankfully, we went uh, started selling our, our baked goods to stores uh, in, a, in a natural uh, area in Toronto, so all the health food shops in Toronto. And to our surprise, they, they, were, they were buying them like crazy. Our pitas were double the price compared to everybody else's. They were very different to them, but I never thought they'd sell for those prices. Uh, prices at the time were about 99 cents to $1.19 for a pack of pitas and ours were selling for 2.29 and um, lo and behold they, they did well part of uh, our philosophy in developing products always is not making a me too because that's kind of boring it's uh, it's imagining and, and, and coming up with new products that are interesting and tasty and good for you so I'm, I'm very sensitive to many foods and uh, I, I can't eat many chemicals. Chemicals affect me and make me itch and I always had asthma and eczema and a whole lot of things. And um, eating healthy and basic uh, helped me a lot. Uh, I didn't have to take, put these creams on or take these pills. And that, that was the reason we went with uh, natural products or natural ingredients. And uh, so the process was handmade and then the ingredients were clean. And in 1996, uh, I guess uh, there was uh, an emerging demand for that. So. Uh, we were at the beginning of that uh, wave. Uh, today, the large companies are all going that way, but they're looking at it in a in a financial matter, not not a philosophical necessarily. Okay, well, so how how many years? Like, you know, how long did it t that take you to go from a sandwich shop to where you are today? Uh, well, we're, we're, I've been in business for twenty years, uh, okay. but I'd say between the sandwich shop and a, a fairly a healthy. Uh, bakery, I'd say about 10, 12 years, and it was a huge learning curve because I've never been in uh, in bakery, baking goods, in commercial baked goods. Uh, it's, a, it's a new business or was a new business. Opening a store was a new business also, so um, it was like opening two or three new businesses during these years. Okay, I got you. Now, you said that you had already kind of been into health foods because you were very sensitive to many things. You had experienced a lot of different um, food sensitivities and so when you first started doing this this was actually when it really wasn't mainstream I mean it was kind of like it was kind of looked at as like totally unnecessary so how, do, how were you able to you know pull that off and, and make that happen during a time where there wasn't a huge demand for it um, I think that at the end of the day if you if you, you your core values are real and um, and then you make something that people would actually like and is tasty, uh, your chances of succeeding are higher. Uh, to some developers look, uh, they just read labels and will try and meet certain criteria on the, on the food labels on the back of the package and they forget the heart. Uh, the heart is an incredibly important part of development and it's, uh, you know, sometimes you can put your finger on it and say this is sweet, this is sour, it's a combination of the two, uh, etc. But I believe there's more than that when you develop foods, and and you need someone behind it uh, that 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 gives it 
it's love and attention and care, um, and, and that, that's noticed in the food. So I, I think we did that, and we were lucky, of course. Um, any product we develop is always, again, we're looking, we always look at f more than one category and, and, and marry them together and try and mold something new that didn't exist, and that seemed to have worked for us. I'd say about 70% that has worked for us, 30% we've seen failure, um, but also the process of failure is very healthy, I think, for the processes. You, you cannot succeed all the time and, and stay humble. Right. Now, when you're making these different foods, is it more of a challenge to get good quality ingredients versus just any ingredients? Um, it is a challenge. We, we like to, obviously, the, the, the easiest one is shelf life. So um, in order to, in bread, to get shelf life of, say, 14 days, which supermarkets or, or love, um, you need to throw in things like calcium propionate. You have different stabilizers. Uh, mono, uh, triglycerides, softeners, all kinds of stuff like that, and we just don't use that. So you want, you need to stick to um, basic ingredients, and in the balance between them will determine the shelf life, or will help you extend it to, in a reasonable way where it's not compromised. Um, and then the softness and a product in baked goods, for instance, when you want the softness. Uh, you may need to, uh, the whole process has to be much slower and versus a, a, a mechanical quick line. So, and, and then you throw chemicals in order to create that softness. So you need time, uh, you need clean, clean ingredients, and then, yeah, your shelf life will be shorter, so you'll visit the store uh, way more times than you do with a, a product that has chemicals in them. Okay, so when you're doing this then, is it much more uh, costly to actually create these better quality products just because of the time uh, that actually goes in them? I mean, obviously we know the ingredients are, are more expensive, but you know, just because it, it requires more time and in um, and, and, and process. Definitely. Uh, so a, a, a line, our line for instance, uh, we have several of them, but uh, in a regular pita our flatbread company, um, I think that their line, with the say, say, looking exactly the same, would go about four times the speed. So their output would be four times that of ours, which is huge. It's massive. So you could have the same number of people working and make four times as much product, and then throw in some chemicals, make it softer, but it's not the same. Um, our, our, our machines don't do that. We use sourdough many times. Um, we use organics when we can. I'd love to use more organic ingredients, but um, you know there's still the element of cost, and, and and at the end of the day, people need to buy it, uh, especially with bread, which has a faster, I mean, shorter shelf life, and um, sometimes is a challenge. But we use it whenever we can. So that is one thing. The other is when we deliver to stores. So a regular conventional bakery will uh, deliver certain breads once or twice a week. Um, because they have the long shelf life. We need to be there a minimum of three to four times a week because of the short shelf life. So that's another element of time. That's very interesting. And so one of the things we haven't really talked about is what, I mean, we talked about pitas, but I know that you are way beyond pitas. What, what are you making in your bakery? Um, yes, definitely. We actually, we, we started with pitas and that was our base, but today we make one bun. So the, the pre-sliced thin buns, 
that exists out there, and without mentioning any names, we developed about eight years ago, and uh, they were seen by our competitors, or at the time much bigger companies, and um, took over North America, I'd say, and did very, very well. Um, that's the, so that's our one buns, so precise thin buns. We have morning rounds, which are fantastic um, little buns, flat buns, that are uh, infused with grains and, and uh, dried fruit, for instance, and they're a fantastic solution for the mornings. No chemicals, no um, nothing else, nothing bad in them. Uh, we make lavash crackers, we make a bunch of component ingredients, natural ingredients that go in, uh, in several uh, food uh, trays around the country. So stuff like that right now. And it was actually funny, I have to share with you that um, the other day I was in, you know, in the fridge and I picked up those morning, morning buns, I think you guys call them morning rounds, am I correct? Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, yeah, well I, I picked up the bag and I saw his last name on it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding, isn't this the guy that I'm going to be talking with on the, on the podcast in a couple of days with? And, uh, and then I just confirmed with him that, yeah, it was his product and it was in our fridge. And, and you were saying that you actually sell those at you know, Costco's and in many places in, in, in America? Yeah, Whole Foods uh, carries our products across the country. Uh, a lot of the natural markets uh, carry our products. So yeah, we have we have good coverage in natural market. It's a, it's harder to get into conventional market, which are your regular supermarkets, just because of the shelf life. And our product needs care, and you need to uh, maintain it and keep an eye on it. And it's harder for conventional stores. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But we're very happy that we're we're developing a brand within the natural market, definitely. Absolutely. Now, are the conventional stores, are they really interested in a product like that or are they still just interested in, you know, the Hostess cupcakes and things like that? It's interesting. Um, it's a great question. Uh, I, I would imagine, I, I don't understand many times uh, conventional stores because um, if you go to a, a, an interesting or a leader within the natural market, they would ask you, um, is anybody else, I love this or I like this. Hopefully they say that, and then does anybody else carry it? And we're either yes or no. And if you say no, they get more excited because they're going to be first to market and they're going to make an impression on their customer and be leaders within what they do, which is amazing. Uh, within conventional stores, the question would be, does anybody else carry it? But they're going in a different direction. They want to know if, if nobody else carries it, they don't really want it. They don't get excited. They, mm -hmm. they want that... If they're going to put product on their shelf, they want to know that it's going to succeed. And they want, um, I guess, a success rate from other, other stores, even their competition. So it's a different kind of, I guess, business model. So okay, it's, not, with that way, it's different, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, along with your bakery, uh, obviously it's a very, um, it's an awesome entrepreneurial success story. You know, what would you, uh, what kind of suggestions would you give to the entrepreneurs out there, those who are starting their own business or, you know, um, or, you know, you're, you're somewhat of a veteran at this point, you know, what, what kind of advice can you give? Um, I, I would say we, we should be aware of, of our impact on people and and that our actions, words, and uh, behavior will determine a lot in, in what, how, how, what, what transpires, what happens to us. And being positive and working hard and, and um, also knowing to take a break when needed, that's, that's very important. 
will determine a lot. And if you keep it consistent and, and you, you keep on being innovative, uh, I, I think success will come. It's funny how success comes to those lucky people, but it keeps coming to the like, same people who, who, who kind of follow those rules, I think. Well, and one of the things you said too is that you know f- failure. You said that you know it's it's good to fail sometimes because it keeps you humble. And so you know in your in in your journey with your um, with your bakery, um, which went from nothing to huge. I mean, there's probably been an immense amount of failure. Am I right? Um, at first, no. At first, we were lucky, and and the products that that we developed were very unique, and we had organic growth. We didn't have to push much. I'd say that was for about eight to ten years. Um, my natural state of, of mind is when I'm doing well, I'm extremely worried. Um, I, this is not logical, but I'm really worried. And when things are uh, are going badly and, and threats are all over, I'm kind of in my element because that's when I dig deep and, 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 and make decisions that need to be made and, and push forward and, and are, are bolder in my actions. Um, so, yeah, I forgot the question. <laughs> well, you know, I was asking, you know, failures. So, like, you've oh. come across failures. Yeah, so our latest failure, and it comes into uh, uh, the natural element, we made these fantastic flat ciabattas, really wonderful, wonderful bread made with, like, a lot of sourdough and, and great basic natural flavors. And... They didn't succeed because the, the water content is very high. And, and for those of the people who know, water, I mean, products with a high water content will mold quickly. So the shelf life on that was four days, which is really hard to manage. And we launched it, and people who tasted it loved it. But at the store level, it didn't work out. And now we're kind of delisting it. Um, but I'm very happy that we did it because, A, I'm proud of that product. Uh, but now it is okay. What did we learn from that? How can we uh, rectify it? And then so we're looking at different things from that lesson. And this is just this just happened within the past six months. Okay. So yeah, you 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 ask questions, you learn from it, you you move on then. Definitely. Yeah, that's a must. Okay. And so when it comes to your health, you said you're very sensitive. You were very sensitive to many things. That's why you really went down this direction of having. Um, a more natural uh, style of bakery where you use good quality ingredients without the chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, you you also mentioned that when it comes to health, you're you're very simplistic with maintaining your health. You know what kind of what kind of you know advice or things do you do you do in order to maintain your health? Um, we could break it down. So if um, if you're looking at food for, for what works for me, first of all, I think we're all different. We're, we're same but different. So what works for one doesn't necessarily work for the other. What one, one person is sensitive to, the other isn't necessarily. But the process, the an- analysis um, is similar. And we, we need to see, I, I had eczema my whole life. And uh, the amounts of cortisone cream that I applied on my, my hands and body were I, I, it's probably a, I, I, it's, it will keep my body from decomposing for a few years after. <laughs> and, I, I, and, and now I'd say for about six, seven years, I, have, I barely use any cortisone cream because I found out that I'm allergic to fish or to certain fish. And the moment I eliminated that from my diet, my, and everybody says fish are good for you, right? Well, they're not good for me. And 
I, I realized, I, I, I got to the point where I was ana analyzing myself after I ate food, and I realized that when I eat something that's not good for me and will show on my skin the next day, not immediately, but the next day, so well, the momentary thing that happens when I eat it or a few minutes after, I get a light itch uh, at the top of my scalp. And so today, if I eat something that I'm unfamiliar with or go to a restaurant and will taste it and feel that itch, I'm okay. Uh, it kind of might shed a light on to that, look at the ingredients and look at the food and, and keep my eyes open to see what the reaction may be the next day. Um, that's one thing. Um, a second thing is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very lazy, I'm very entrepreneurial but very lazy also, so uh, I'd like to set things up. I work very hard when I have to, but I don't want to work very hard all the time. It's not, it's not me, it's not healthy for me. And so I'd work very hard, set up systems that will replace me and be even better than me and then take a step back and be able to take those breaks. Um, and then further and further, starting from at the time for us it was mixing the dough, then to driving the trucks, then I moved up to servicing the stores in terms of customer service. And as I hired people to replace me and created systems, uh, the better I was, the more profitable the company was. I'd say the less I worked, the more profitable the company became. Okay, but it sounds like though the less you worked, you had already went and created systems throughout every process of your company. It's kind of like you, you were hands-on in every area for a little bit. Definitely, yeah. It wouldn't happen without that. So I don't suggest to start at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's a good <laughs> point to make because a lot of people, you know, they try to – they, they they try to take the approach of uh, being very hands off or or you know you know sometimes it's like the the old saying the devil's in the detail and some people totally miss the detail and they want to just um, they just want to let's say work in the area that makes all the money or something like that but you know there's there's a there's a lot of little steps along the way the little details that mean something and it sounds like you've worked in every little part of your company and you've been able to master the details. Um, yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I see. I, I I work with a lot of uh, young entrepreneurs here in the city uh, in several organizations, and you already identify the hands-on people that um, that you know they'll succeed because they don't shy away from work. They want to know it all, but they don't necessarily want to do it all all the time. And then there are those who uh, want to become entrepreneurs. Uh, those who who look for the status and and um, aren't going to put in the work and don't know the, the work very well, you know they won't succeed very well. And, and for me, even now, uh, I don't have to do uh, physical work and I don't do physical work at, at the bakery, but I know the dough. I, know, I can look at it. I touch it. I, I walk uh, along the line and I'll touch it. And just by touch, because, because the muscles were trained, because you feel it, not only with your not only with your fingers but with your almost heart um, but that comes only from working with product and um, if you don't do it you won't get it and, and I think that's a great advantage of uh, putting in your time oh absolutely yeah no I agree a hundred percent the people who want to just get right to the top and and uh, yeah there's there's a lot of hard work and and you know it's it's always great to see someone like you who comes out and, and they're, they're honest about it because a lot of people like to, uh, you know, put their best foot forward and just show, you know, how they are, you know, let's say super wealthy or that they've created this huge business. But the one thing that they always hide in the background is that, you know, the struggle they went through. They, maybe they, 
went bankrupt twice and lost their house and things like that. So, you know, there's, there's always a lot of struggle in, in for people who have gotten to a certain place in their life, they didn't get there overnight. It took a long time. Yeah, I think it's the lucky ones they had that struggle because it put things in perspective. And um, I think they're more human uh, because of that. Uh, those who are extremely talented and had some luck and, and kind of never really failed, um, I, I don't envy them. I, I wouldn't want to be them, even though failure, the fear of failure is, is very strong for me. And um, it is definitely, it drives me. Um, and I think that, I, I, I think people are divided into two. I think uh, that, that people that fear paralyzes them and then they can't be entrepreneurs, and that's perfectly fine. It's just not for them. They should do other things there. The world is full of things to do that are uh, you could contribute and do and be a whole person. And and those who fear actually pushes them forward. And I think a lot a lot of the entrepreneurs I know, um, it's not that they're not afraid. It's that it just drives them forward even more and um, pushes them. Yeah, and makes them more successful. Well, I think it probably keeps you grounded, you know, and, and for, you know, especially for you that you've, you've come from nothing where you had nothing. You were saying, you know, you, you basically took all your dad's money and if you didn't give it back to him, somehow he wasn't going to have any way to live. So you, yeah. know, you had a heavy weight on your shoulders. And for some people that's, you know, that's never really happened to them where, you know, let's say maybe they just grew up comfortable and then their parents were able to loan them that 50,000 and didn't care that it was gone. You know, maybe they were just going to give it to them to start a business. And so they never have that same motivation behind them. And for someone like you, like th there was a lot of fear. And I think that probably, like you said, it sticks with you. Yeah. You know, the question, a philosophical question is I have three kids and I, I they're, they're growing in a very different way to the way I grew up. Not that they're spoiled, but you know, they don't, they don't have to work as a dishwasher at age 16 in order to buy a pair of jeans or to um, contribute to the family uh, uh, pot. Um, and, and that's, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I know it for us, it definitely builds character. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting to see how it, how it transpires with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly will. You know, um, jumping back a little bit, you know, you talked about your your food sensitivities and, and how um, how when you eat something, you, you notice it starts to affect you. And, um, you know, that's kind of an interesting topic. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit more because one of the things about food sensitivities um, that I didn't mention at the time we were talking about it is that, you know, that's very different from an allergy. So many people have food sensitivities and it's not something that bothers them on the spot. A peanut allergy might bother you on the spot and send you to the hospital. Food sensitivity can actually affect you several days later. So, mm -hmm. you know, when we're talking about like, you know, eating good quality products and chemical free products, um, food sensitivities are something you, you should be aware of because um, just like you had mentioned, Alon, they can actually, you could eat something, you know, that could even be, let's say, healthy for you, and you could be sensitive to it, and it could be affecting you a day or two later, or, um, and the same goes for foods with, you know, chemicals in it, and, um, and uh, you know, they, they might not affect you right there on the spot, but they will affect you at some point, drive inflammation in your body, and, um, and you know, affect you in some way, and, and so, you know, that's a good point that you made and, and so that you know I really 
I think that's an awesome thing that you're doing uh, with the bakery, having good quality products and taking the chemicals out. I think we need a lot more of that. We need a lot more bakeries like yours. Thank you. Uh, I, I see it. You know what? Uh, and it's happening. You know, even if it's uh, profitable because of profitability, that's fantastic that it happens. There is. Are you familiar with the Natural Expo, the Natural and Organic uh, Expo? Um, there's one once tw- once a year, uh, either in San Francisco, uh, sorry, either in Anaheim or in Baltimore, and this is where all the natural and organic um, food manufacturers and also, uh, I guess, uh, beauty supplies and soaps and stuff like that get together. And it's a fairly uh, large uh, expo and. Um, I remember it 15 years ago, and it was small, and it was a party. It was it was really nice. Um, all all individually owned companies by these, the, I guess, uh, families who believed in something. And today, oh, I'd say maybe seven, eight years ago, you began seeing a change in ownership, and and where large companies bought the small ones, they still kept the brand, but they saw a lot of opportunity. So, and today you'll see at the store level. A lot more, um, and even in conventional stores, uh, a lot, a lot more better for you uh, brands, and and they're real and they're good. Um, a good example is uh, I forget the yogurt company, the uh, I forget his name, but he was bought by Danone, and they were making organic yogurt, and he was, you know, he 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 believed in what he did and all, and and made a, a huge change on the organic milk production in North America because it was basically non-existent before um, and now Danone owns it so a lot is changing I think yeah and that's awesome because I'll tell you what the listeners of this podcast and the people I work with they're looking for the better quality products they're not looking for you know the 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 cheap stuff because you know it's an investment in your health the food that you're buying it's an investment in your health and um, ultimately an investment in your future so yeah, I agree. I, my philosophy when it comes to eating is, you know, I try to eat as, as less processed as possible, as we discussed, but it's also quantities. Um, it's, it's a matter of, you know, if you look at, at your system as a mechanical system and then you shove all this food down it, um, it will not work as efficiently. It's working really, really hard on all this stuff going through um, and, and then it won't be as efficient, especially if it's done time and time again. But if you eat less, uh, the system, even if you eat bad things or stuff with chemicals, which I definitely don't promote, but the system will deal with them a lot more easily and will discard them, identify them and discard them more easily. So for me, it's almost, you know, eat a balanced uh, diet. Um, you know, you can eat uh, not so good once in a while, but just don't d- eat two thirds of what you were going to eat. And, and the body learns that, and, and, and then it's, it's satisfied with that too. Yeah, and I think that's some great advice. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to wrap things up um, for the show. And um, Alon, uh, we appreciate having you on. Um, some great entrepreneurial advice. Um, it's always great to see you know, somebody who is a success story and, and also you know, helping promote you know, good quality products. And uh, you know, we really appreciate that and um, the work that you're doing. Brilliant. Thank you very much for talking to me, Dr. Nick. Yes, absolutely. And so everybody look for Ozeri Bakery uh, products, and you can find it in Costco and Whole Foods and all those places you had mentioned earlier in the show. And um, I think you're going to be quite uh, quite happy with them. I, I know that uh, my kids love the morning rounds. So. 
Thank you. That's, a, that's amazing to hear every time. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show with us today. Thank you. Take care. If you want more information to multiply your health and simplify your lifestyle, visit our website at excelpodcast.com. Until next time, have an outstanding day.